This episode of Date Night is supported by ED Wine Company. If you're located in the GTA, Hamilton, Kitchener, or Guelph, you need to check out ED Wine Company. Sommelier Elizabeth Davies curates four wines for you and delivers them right to your door. Each bottle comes hand-wrapped with tasting notes about what you're sipping. It's an approachable way to explore the world of wine and helps you learn a thing or two along the way. So check them out on Instagram at edwineco or go to edwine.ca to sign up for either a monthly delivery like Shane and I get and it feels like Christmas every time we open one or just a single wine package, whatever works best for you. And when you sign up, Make sure to use the promo code ThisFamilyTree10 to get 10% off your entire subscription. That's huge. Again, that's edwine.ca and ThisFamilyTree10. But Alex. Yeah, Shane. Date night must begin. <laughs> Let's do it. Hello, everyone. I'm Alex, and I'm here with my husband, Shane. We just got our second vaccine. And I'm feeling green. And I'm feeling like a youthful teen. <laughs> and welcome. To date night. Shane, that was so accurate. Way to actually bring a little uh, a little reality into your date night intro rhyming. Well, you're terrible at doing these intros. I, you put so much pressure on yourself, so now we've just set it out where I'm going to do all of them. Oh, you're going to do them from now on? This yeah. this makes me feel so happy, babe. You never got the rhythm of it. You would always <laughs> include too many words. I was like, it's a simple rhyming scheme. So... Uh. And yeah, so every time you've done it, I've had to edit it. We've had to re-record them. It's just more work for me. It's it's just a little gimmick. You it's know, not supposed to be some big to-do. Here's the thing. The first time we did it, it was like a joke. Like, ooh, we don't have an intro, so let's try it out. But then it became the thing where every week we're trying out this silly little gimmick. And then it, it stuck. And I hate it. I didn't want it to stick. But it stuck despite that. And uh, I don't like doing them. I'm so glad you're taking that upon yourself. It's only stuck because I like it. The people listening actually have never commented on it. No one said whether they like it. But let's have some wine. All right. So every week for date night, the best part about date night, really, the the juice beneath everything is Shane and I cracking open a bottle of wine that we've never tried from our EDU. <laughs> that sounds gross. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It like lubricates everything. Like, the wine gets everything going, you know? Okay. <laughs> and so we crack open a bottle of wine that we have never tried uh, that we got from our ed wine subscription and we try to guess the tasting notes because each bottle does come with tasting notes you get to learn and i mean we suck right now we're not very good at guessing them but we're learning we're learning so tonight we are drinking Therese Doré chardonnay classic beaujolais 2018 so shane cheers see i love this i love it so much i haven't even begun to think about the flavors in it, why I love it. I don't instantly love it oh, as much it. as you do, but I'll definitely say I detect pear. See, for me, it's so creamy. I can, I can see the pear for sure. I can see that. Like, And here's the thing every week. It's like power of persuasion. But for me, it's creamy. Is it creamy to you? No. All I taste is pear. Hit me with the answer. Oh, my God. It's so good. Okay. I, I could bathe in this. Beaujolais Blanc. Again. I sent you one before, but here's another version for you to try. This one will show a little more restraint than your previous example. Honestly, it's not very often we see Beaujolais Blanc in our market. It's very rare because less than 5% of the Beaujolais region in France is planted to white grapes. It's so nice to see more examples popping up. And we owe a big thanks to this producer, Thierry Doré, uh, because they were the first to make Beaujolais Blanc, aka 100% Chardonnay. And I'm so glad they did because this wine is really impressive. Shane, did you see the tasting notes again? I swear I didn't. Are you sure? I swear. Nothing popped out at you? I swear. Okay. Apple, pear, yogurt. There's the creaminess. In complex mineral notes. See, I, I, I got to figure out what it means when it's mineral. I taste that mineral. You know, when you taste something, it's minerally. 
I don't know. I don't. That's I, I what need it is because I taste minerally now. I need to. I need to focus on that. There's a really nice Meyer lemon element too. This wine and scallops and bacon would be great together. I had this wine at dinner with some fish and then with like a vegan cheesecake and it was incredible like the vegan cheesecake the base of it was like nuts and different spices it tasted very Christmassy to me and it went so perfectly with this wine I think ask me a question Alex well Shane I want to start off easy so one thing that we do sometimes or that I do and make my family do with me is I ask for their apple and onions so what that means is your apple is the sweetest part of your day or a vacation or a week, whatever you're asking for, and your onion is the most sour or the worst, whatever. Uh, so Shane, what is your apple and onion today? Well, I woke up feeling not great, and I heard the second vaccination can really turn south quickly, but then I got this total euphoric feeling and started feeling better than I ever had. Is it because I'm just <laughs> thinking, oh, the the window or the door's mm-hmm. opening to our previous life? Or is it because somehow the chemicals coursing through my veins right now are somehow reacting in a way that's making me feel euphoric? Either way, I felt amazing today, better than I, I felt in years. I think I compare it to how you must feel every day. Because I I took Lucy for a morning walk, yeah, and all the neighbors are out on the porch, and I was just so chipper. I was like, "Hey Ray, how's it going, everybody?" And I'm like winking and gunning at everybody. I'm I'm, like people I've never said hello to. I'm saying hi to. So I really feel like a different person today. So do you still have that feeling, that sensation? Not as much as I did in the morning because, honestly, you brought me down a little bit because you were so feeling bad because of the vaccine that it, it, you know, other people's moods affect your mood. (laughs) I'm sorry to bring you down on like your most chipper day of all time. We're forcing this date night tonight because you did not look like you were ready to do it. So you're putting on a brave face right now. Right, but... How do I look like I I know I'm wearing the same like baggy shirt I've worn all day, but I put on some jewelry. I have what is this a bracelet, a choker and an anklet like a lots of jewelry. I have makeup on. I tried to look nice for you, even though my hair is in a low pony just from laying down and being sick all day. Sorry, what's the question? How do you look? (laughs) You look good. Ow, ow, ow. Oh, sorry. That was your vaccine arm. Yeah, that's where I got the needle. (laughs) You look great, dear. You do. That wasn't a like... I wasn't trying to put you in pain to make you say something better, but I appreciate that. No, you look good. You look better than me. No, you look great. No, I don't. Yes, you do. You look really good. I don't. Why do you think that? Because I, I saw the mirror. Yeah, but what about your appearance right now? Do you not? Just the way my hair with- is falling. It's very professional wrestlery. <laughs> I hate this shirt. Like, it's my least favorite Kitten A shirt. Okay, I knew you were going to say that. And I love that one. I love the color. It's like an oat colored shirt. Why don't you like that one? Because. It's not comfortable like all the kidneys. The neck one, feel the neck on it. it all right, all yeah. the kidneys' necks are so loose. This one's for some reason very restrictive. But don't don't hold it against the color because I think that color, but in a different style. Fit is all that matters when it comes mm. to a shirt. No, I like that one. Uh, so what's your apple and onion? You didn't give me an onion. Yes, I did. Was I said that the way I you looked you and felt. Oh man, it was it was a rough day. So obviously my onion was feeling so crappy. And I mean, like I have, you know, the two kids hanging off me all day. And last night too, oh my God, they woke up so much last night. And Betty has actually been on such a good sleep kick. And she's only been getting up once in the night. And it's been incredible. 
But last night she got up a bunch. Lucy got up. And it was just this, it was this thing. So I was tired and then the vaccine started making me feel bad. And yeah, it really sucked. And then with the kids just like grabbing at you and like I try to tell them, okay guys, like mommy's not feeling good. You have to be very gentle. And then like Lucy will come over and she'll start touching me and hugging me very gentle. And I'm like, oh, thank you, Lucy. Thank you for being so gentle. And she's like, yeah, I did it. And then she'll like put me in a headlock and be so <laughs> rough and aggressive again. But my apple is this date night, babe, like is our dinner tonight, this wine tonight and putting on all this jewelry tonight because it's giving me, I always get a second wind once the kids go to bed and I always get like a supercharged mm-hmm. second wind on date oh, night. Oh, I've smelled them. Yes. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> you know, on a day where you're feeling so garbagey, it's not necessarily like a second wind, but I feel a little less garbagey right now just because I don't have the responsibility yeah. of making sure Betty's not swallowing something it's tiny and they're not hanging off me so that feels nice well oh. like i said at gunpoint you look great tonight <laughs> thank you what is your go-to karaoke song because i know you and i haven't actually gone to karaoke much together no you you talked about hero that's it that's your go-to song of course with the oh. spoken word intro how many women have you sang that to multiple <laughs> What, in the last year or a lifetime? Get out of here. In in your dating life, how many women have you sung that to in a karaoke bar? Well, when I'm singing at a karaoke bar, I'm singing to all women everywhere because <laughs> I'm embodying Enrique. What do you think? Like, I'm not me when I'm on stage. You're Enrique. I am. And I and I'm. it sounds funny, and it obviously is, and I'm not being 100% serious, but part of me, I really do lose myself in the song <laughs> and become him. Like, I put on his voice. What about his moves? Do you think you do a good job at his moves? He doesn't really have a ton of moves. That's one of the things I like about it. But it's just like, it's like kind of like slow, like sultry staring in your eyes. Yeah, I do that stuff. Yeah, I become a character, yes. And and I am singing to a lot of women. Well, like, no, but like in In my life, hundreds. (laughs) Hundreds. I'm not joking. No, but in the sense that they're all in the karaoke bar and you're singing to all of them. Or in the sense that you take them out and you're like, this song is dedicated to so-and-so, fill in your name here. I think every woman at a bar that I'm singing karaoke at thinks I'm singing directly to them. <laughs> Honestly, next time we go... It's that Enrique quality. When this is over, yeah, I will sing Hero. And we will do like a little streeters thing and say, who do you think that man was singing to? And all the women will think. Good idea, but answer my question directly. Of the women Hundreds. you... Un- no. Of the women you have dated. All of them. <laughs> Actually, every single one. Yes, you're it's a said you're a goober. What why? a move! What do you mean? It's my song. No, I know it's a good one. It's a good one, and you do it well. You do it well. I just I didn't know. Uh... You thought you were special, <laughs> Alex? Huh? That we is made very a baby cute. that night, Shane. Yeah, but that's the first person I've done that with. Do you think that you're a creative dater? A what? Or a creative dater, or like, do you pull the same lines and moves with every person you ever date? I don't walk in and think it. I just think I'm going to be myself. I don't come in with a plan or a gimmick. Everyone has their go-to jokes. Everyone has their phrases, their go-to stories. You've probably told the same story so many times in your life to friends, coworkers, boyfriends. It's just, I'm me, and that's what I am. I don't put on any airs about me. See, because I feel like when we first started dating, you you had like a a dating 
persona or like a dating plan not persona no, but I a didn't. dating plan absolutely my only plan was to date a lot mm -hmm. and then you will find the love of your life and that will be important to you because that's the person that's going to be around you the most mm -hmm. that was the only plan beyond that it was just simply be myself i was looking for a connection yeah but you knew like you introduced me to I, like in in a sense that like we would talk about and joke about it things like neg theory and we talked about i that, didn't like, introduce you to that no i i told you about it i don't know anything about neg theory other than you be mean to a woman and then she's supposed to like you it's like treat a girl <laughs> like dirt she'll stick to you like mud right um was a, th a theory that went out there and that's like a laughable yeah, thing yeah. that we would make fun of and this guy mm -hmm. mystery his name was he was a pickup artist from toronto and the only reason i even know about him because tom cruise played a character based off him in the movie magnolia yeah, right. so i was a paul thomas anderson fan and i thought that was an amazing performance by tom cruise so i researched it and found out about all that type of pick artist bullshit mm -hmm. out so when i was telling you about neg theory it was only because i knew it through my research in my love of film i wasn't right. someone who studied that or even tried to pick up a woman because <laughs> i think you know me well enough to know <laughs> i would never try a line on a woman or something like that i just don't have that confidence mm -hmm. no I, I i agree when you're not like the line type you know what i mean but i i mean like your own homegrown jokes type but it's funny with the neg theory thing because I had heard of it with you when we were talking about that movie because I watched Magnolia for the first time with you. And then a few years later into our relationship, I got into reading the, I've spoken about this before, like the incel message boards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, it was like just like a sick fascination. And they would talk about the ones that weren't blackpilled is blackpilled when you don't care about anything anymore. You know this world. I have no oh, idea I what this forget. is. I forget. So I think when you're blackpilled, like nothing matters and you you live to die and that's it and whatever. Those are the real mean ones. Okay. But then there are some that are a different color pill, blue pilled or red pilled, and uh, they still want to get out there and pick up women in a you know consenting way, whatever. But they talk about neg theory and they're like, this is supposed to work and they love it and all this stuff. And they have debates about the effectiveness of it. But it's very interesting. And I was like, oh, I, I know what they're talking about finally. I feel like, and here's another thing. I feel like I could be a, uh, a spy. Like, I feel like I've already done a lot of spying on these kind of boards. And I could be a police spy. You're very clumsy. You don't blend in. You have very big eyes and big, <laughs> big white teeth. And everywhere you go, you like, you make yourself known. Well, James Bond does too, babe. No, he doesn't. Well, people know him. He sleeps with half the town. He's not that clumsy. He's very slippery and sly. And well, that that could be like a part of my spy charm or like You'd a be a power. good spy in a comedy film. <laughs> that reminds me, we still have to watch Our Man Flint, the movie with James Coburn, because that is a spy comedy film in the sense that it's like making fun of all the early James Bond movies in a satirical way. Yeah. It's so funny. It's so good. I think it's so good. I haven't watched it in like 10 years, but what was the worst style phase of your life in your perspective? Yeah. What what was that phase? How old were you? I've had some of the worst style phases known to man. <laughs> I think any phase where I was straightening my hair. You were straightening your hair. I used my sister's curling iron to straighten my, or straightener to straighten my hair. <laughs> and I think that is a terrible phase. <laughs> I wasn't embracing my waves the way I should. I have nice wave okay, hair. How, how long was your hair at this point? Longer. It was like 
it was one of my longest phases, but I liked it really straight. So like when because I, I was obsessed with Jason Schwartzman, right? And he had he has really naturally straight hair, and I wanted that. So was because I know you went through a blonde phase, like a bleach blonde phase. Was this that phase or was this brown hair phase? Brown hair phase. Oh, is this when you were kind of like emo and you had the hair that would go across your forehead? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So many people were into that uh, that style at that point. What was that? What year was that? I'd say that was 2002. That makes sense because there was a weird, what, for the first 10 years of the 2000s, fashion was brutal. It was brutal. Everybody looked goofy. But here's the weird part. That was the first time in my life women started to like me. <laughs> because it was the style. That's the thing. Yeah, like, but I, I felt really good about that. So because, you kept straightening that hair. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was, it, it was like, you know how some women are scared to go in a pool because their makeup will come off? Mm-hmm. I became that way about my hair. It's like, <laughs> Shane, jump in the pool because the second your hair gets wet, you can't come out because if it dries, then they'll realize your secret. And what's your secret? That I straighten my hair, Alex. <laughs> So if my hair gets dry, then it's all frizzy. It's like, you're not this man with naturally perfectly straight hair. <laughs> but you were, you were at that time too. Like I've seen photos, you had like the, the polo shirts on, but not like double collared. You did it in a much more normal way. But yeah, like, just wore Lacoste shirts because they yeah. were popular again. Mm-hmm. No, those, those, so it was like in the 2000s, you were either, I feel like emo styles like that or... Well, I guess for girls, maybe I don't know the guys. Maybe oh, wait, what years were was it with the mod robes? Way earlier than two thousand, right? I have no idea. You know mod robes? Those weird pants. Yeah, yeah, the baggy ones. I'd love a pair right now, of pink ones. I'd kill for them. Anyhow, uh, back to me here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what about other than your hair, which I agree with you is probably not your best look? What about your clothes at that time? Like, would you wear an outfit from that time period now? I probably couldn't fit in it. I was seventy pounds thinner. No, like um, you know. No, I don't know. It was just not good. I don't. <laughs> I'm embarrassed. Like, I can't look at. It's the hair matters so much. Were they? Would you wear like low cut skinny jeans? Like, what? What? What were skinny your jeans, jeans like? Yeah. How low were they? Because I know women in that phase wore them low. I don't think they were overly low, but they were very tight, and it was just weird. It was a weird <laughs> phase, and I don't like it. What about what about you, Alex? I don't like mine either. Okay, so I was going to say my worst style phase was my punk phase, but then I was like, no, that looked awesome, and I loved it, and I loved dressing like that, so I don't care how it looked. I loved it. But my worst, which probably when I felt the most uncomfortable with how I was dressing and when I look back, the most cringy, is though like what, like 2004 to 2007, like maybe or 2008, like my high school and first year of university years when just the style was bad at that point. So it was like low cut jeans, tight flare, and then they went into skinny jeans. Belly button ring? I have a belly button ring, yes. <laughs> That's so gross to me. Yo, Shane has a thing with belly buttons. What's it called? Omphalophobia. It's hard to say. Omphalophobia. You've heard it first. It's real. I should, should have said you've heard it here first. It's real. But it, it, for girls, and like if women listeners will be able to identify with this or maybe but it was like you had going out tops so it's like you always wore jeans whether you're at school or going out or whatever you always had your jeans 
But then you had tops that were designated as going out tops. And it's like you'd want to go shopping for more going out tops. Vegas shop like tops kind of. Oh, so like for some reason they were all flowy. I don't know why. I guess it's like so if you go to the bar, you can get bloated or something. I don't know why. But they were all flowy. And like some of them were like bejeweled or just made out of the weirdest materials they were always really loud and bright but yeah no that was that was a terrible time for fashion like hair like at one point too this was in high school i would scrunch it so you'd wash it and then while it's all wet you'd start scrunching it and then you'd put in a ton of mousse into your hands and then you'd scrunch the mousse into your hair and then you'd dry it with the diffuser and you'd still be scrunching mousse into it and then it would look like ramen like uncooked Mm, ramen. oh yeah that's a bad look (laughs) I know that. And when you'd have that, but then you'd also straighten your bangs. Everybody had bangs at that time too. So you'd straighten the bangs and then you'd have the uncooked ramen hair. And it was like two totally different wigs almost because the bangs look so separate from the ramen. And that was, that was like it. Like I'd do that to go out. It was, it was horrendous as like a 15 year old. And I guess if someone wanted to touch your hair, that'd be very uncomfortable. I can't remember. I blocked that out of my memory. Would you be more or less likely to talk to me if I got a man bun and a bicep tattoo of a bicycle with flowers around it? <laughs> Why a bicycle with flowers? This question was online and I like the specificity of it. Specificity man bun of for it. sure. I know that like, you know, we talk about trends and things like that, especially tonight. And man bun was a thing for a very long time and then it fell out of fashion. It's like only dinkwads have man buns type thing. I love man bun. That will never fade for me. I think it is such a sexy look. I think like the sexiest look, I think. It's so sexy. I'm so all about the man bun. And the bicycle thing with the flowers, I don't that seems so odd. Sure, I don't think that would make me want to talk to you more or less, but the man bun if you weren't like um hipstery, then I'd want to talk to you more. Do did you ever read Harlequin novels in your life? No. What spawned you liking the man bun so much? Maybe all like the famous guys that I like are like man bun candidates. Who's the you famous know? guy you like? Well, there's that guy Hamza. I showed you a picture of once. <laughs> oh, oh, don't. <laughs> and like Jason Momoa, he's like a man bun type. and He's just a long hair type. Yeah, but he wears it up in a bun a lot as well. Anyhow, what about you? <laughs> some questions do not apply no. with the reverse okay tattoo of a bicycle with flowers all around it less likely <laughs> okay have you ever t- you're very tatted up do you know how many you have no would you ever uh no would you ever but like are you attracted to women with tattoos yes or no is that a thing that you consider if it suits them i i guess suppose i am but mm-hmm. it's a hard thing to pull off I'm not even saying I pull it off. Sometimes I'm just like, <laughs> what did I do? <laughs> you know, I think about that once a day. I'm like, what, what did you do? Yeah. <laughs> do you ever wish? So do you wish once a day that you had no tattoos or? Yes. That's funny. What do you think you wish more? You're glad that you have them or that you had none? Probably. I, I probably think more. I'm glad that I had none. I, like, I wish I had none. Interesting. Hmm. I didn't know that. Learned something new about you today. There you go. All right. Have you ever had a partner that your parents didn't like and did it impact how you handled the relationship at all? Like would what your parents think matter to you or no? No, I do not care what my parents think in that (laughs) regard at all. Honestly. (laughs) Yeah. And nor do I think my dad would ever say anything Mm -hmm. to me. My mom, my mom's more outspoken about it, but you know, 
she's not someone I look up to in that relationship advice area. Mm-hmm. So no. Have either one of them ever said anything about a significant other that they didn't like them, like when you're dating? No, not really. Maybe like passive aggressive stuff that I mm-hmm. could tell they didn't like them, but not overtly. But to be honest, in any regard, I don't really take advice that well. <laughs> I've always just gone to my own beat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Any any type of suggestion, I'd, I'm not suggestible. Do you do you find that you rebel against suggestions just because they're suggestions? Or? No, I just don't even. I don't question anything I want to do. I don't question it. Anyone I like, I don't question it. Mm-hmm. I just I dive in. I do things I people say not to do. Like I don't know. <laughs> I just feel like I inherently know things, even when I obviously do not. No, no, I, but I always believe that I do. You know. No, and I think that sense of self-assuredness is so good and especially when it comes to relationships like you probably think everybody essentially knows what they want what they don't want and it's whether you can get out of relationships you don't want to be in or you know find people that will put you in the kind of relationship you want to be in that that's the hard part but see i i would get affected in uh, it would like really bug me all the time because I want my parents to like love my significant other. My mom once told me she didn't like a boyfriend that I had been dating for a couple of years. And I, I think I've spoken about this on the podcast. I dated him for another like nine months just to spite her. You told me if we hadn't gotten together, you were going to get back with well, him. Well, only for like a little, not for serious stuff, you know, <sighs> not for serious. That's not nice. Stringing people along? Well, it, it wasn't... It, Using I was, them to fill your Shane, lonely I times? was confused, okay? I was confused and, oh. and, and lonely, and I needed a little bit of hugging. Okay. You know me. Yeah, I do know you. <laughs> I need to get hugged a lot. But you need... So if your parents did not like me, I would be out the door. Yeah, because I think that they have a really good sense of people and a sense of who i like and who i i inherently feel good with so if i turned on your parents or if your parents turned on me i guess you would end the relationship with me even with the no, two children babe, and- we're already married we got two kids and here's the thing that's never by my side? that's never gonna happen if it did you saw that <laughs> you saw that bourdain incident that could have escalated <laughs> you guys start throwing drinks at each other no but it's honest question yeah. if it did in some way and your parents were just like hey shane's dead to us would you stay stay with me? Well, it depends what you did to be dead to them, babe. I don't know. There's a lot of questions here. I just was like rude at the dinner table one night and they were like, it's too far, bro. <laughs> no, I'd be on your side and I'd help you seek the therapy that you would need to not be rude at the dinner table anymore. And then uh, I'd bring everybody back together again. They thought I was being rude, but I wasn't. That's the problem. Well, then I'd help them seek the therapy they need, but I'd be on your side. And I'd be like, all right, guys, until you seek therapy or get help or whatever, then you're not going to be invited to dinner over here anymore. What's the weirdest conversation you've ever overheard? Oh, this is a tough one for on the spot. Well, I can go first. So I'm at the premiere of the movie The Master. Right. And who's sitting behind me? Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't just pause for you to say it. I paused because my mind went completely blank. And I'm like, I know this is a big celebrity. Why can't I remember him? So Gary Oldman's behind me. And I'm so excited. Like, I'm at the premiere of The Master. Mm-hmm. I've got great seats. Paul Thomas Anderson was supposed to come out and do a Q&A. But he didn't. The movie just ended. And people thought Paul Thomas Anderson at the end. Mm-hmm. Like, most of these movies at Toronto International Film Festival, they have a speaker at the end. 
nothing happened. So I'm listening to Gary Oldman, and he's talking to Olivia Munn, who's beside him. And Olivia Munn is with the guy. There was a movie. They redid RoboCop. Okay. And this was the star of that movie. The movie ended up being a bust, and I think they broke up potentially because of that. But anyway, they were making out the entire movie. But when the movie, Olivia Munn and uh, RoboCop guy, not Not Gary Oldman. (laughs) Anyway, Gary Oldman's like, is P.T. Anderson going to come out and do a Q&A? And he just kind of threw it out to Olivia. But I'm like, I want to get in on this conversation. (laughs) So I'm just overhearing him. And I'm like talking forwards, but to like everyone. I'm like, yeah, "Yeah, I don't know what's going on here. And then, he's, and then Gary Oldman's like, yeah, sh- should we stay or should we leave? But we're talking to each other, but not. It's like, you know, when you have a kid and you're talking through the children yes. to strangers. Mm-hmm. It was like that, but it was just very surreal because I'm doing that with a celebrity. <laughs> like a huge one. Like Gary Oldman's huge. Yeah. And I was like nervous and excited. <laughs> and I, I, t- I took a sneaky picture where I pretended I was taking a I've selfie. I've seen that. You had that on your Instagram. Yes, uh-huh. I did. So that was the weirdest conversation I've ever overheard and been a part of. No, that's a really good one, Shane. That's a really good one. I just thought of it now, too. When I asked you that question, I was like, I got nothing. See, I got nothing at the moment, but I know that I have lots because it used to be a hobby of mine when I lived on, what was that street? Oxford and Warncliffe. I lived at Oxford and Warncliffe. And uh, on the bus ride to school every day, I would just listen in on people's conversations and then text them to my roommate and we just giggle and she'd do the same for me. And I know that I heard some wacky stuff, really wacky stuff, but honestly, I can't remember anything right now. It was funny when I was, I'm just remembering this now too, when this is someone overhearing my conversation, but right before the pandemic, I used to take the go bus to work every day. So I'm taking the go bus home. And of Mm -hmm. course I'm talking to J.R. Diggs about (laughs) the play we're writing. And in this ridiculous play we're writing, it was a kind of an autobiographical play. And the play was actually going to begin with with the moment J.R. was conceived. So it has this quite elaborate sex (laughs) scene. So I'm talking to J.R. and... I'm on a bus and I'm kind of using bus voice. I'm like, so yeah, your um, your mom is having sex with your dad, <laughs> and we just keep it like it's gonna be funny and awkward. The lights will be out, you don't see anything. We'll have a a woman and a man just going uh uh uh, and I'm just making these noises. A woman about 80 years old <gasps> turns turns around in front of me and goes, "Could you please talk quieter?" <gasps> Shame. And I, I, I go, "I'm sorry, I'm writing a play." <laughs> What was her reaction? She went, oh, okay. And like turned around. She was mortified. It was it, it was just so awkward. <laughs> and I'm like, Jer, I have to I have to call you back. I'm sorry. And we just but I was it was ridiculous. Oh, I'm cringing for you. That is so awkward. Mm-hmm. That is oh, that's brutal. That and poor old lady. Like she's probably sitting there being like, What the hell is this freak behind me doing? Like of you know course. what I mean? Oh yeah. Yikes. Oh, that was a good one. All right, I have my final question, babe. What do you think is most likely, okay, that we are living in a simulation like Elon Musk style or that you are the star of your very own Truman type show? Great question. Okay, I, th- I think about this a lot. I think, I'm not saying this is more likely, but what I think about more often is that I'm the star of my own show and that when <laughs> I leave someone, not that they stop moving, but that it's just whatever they do doesn't matter and everything could revolve around me. They go on pause. Yes. And this probably says a lot about 
my personality. Yeah, like why I'm in entertainment industry. My whole goal is, you know. Do you think that you are narcissistic? Of course, like extremely. Like one mm. of the the uh, my family's narcissistic. Like I come, f- it's genetically in me. <laughs> I, th- I think so. And I think almost everyone is, but I mm-hmm. think I'm a special case. And a lot of people like me who try to get out of being labeled a narcissist, they're self-deprecating or yeah. they're this, but still, it's still all about... They're bringing the focus. Yeah. The focus is all about me or, you know, just because you're negative about yourself doesn't mean you're any less self-obsessed. Mm-hmm. And I suffer from that. Yeah. So Truman Show. Yeah. What about you? See, I always think about Truman Show and how funny that would be and... <clears throat> simulation would make more sense because it would account for all the random stuff but then the thing is like at the heart of my ethos it's like "Ah, everything will work out everything's gonna be cool i'm just gonna go with it because there are forces watching out for me that's like you know the heart of my day-to-day thinking in life Mm -hmm. no matter what it is the relationships work whatever and maybe that's because i feel like if it's gonna be anything like that it's a Truman Show type scenario where the producers aren't going to let me like die and starve on a street. And you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they, they're going to exactly. want to see I me. I think that so often. Yeah. They're going to want to see me like go through the trials and tribulations that everybody goes through because that would make it more relatable. But they're going to want to see me pull through in the end, even if I have to go through some rough stuff. But then it's like I like reckoning. Like, uh, I like winning. And, and that, that winning is a bad term to use. But, like I don't know, when I get on a roll with things, I guess, mm-hmm. then I'm like, oh, the producers aren't going to like this. Like, when am I going to stumble when something bad is going to happen? But uh, yeah, no, it's, I think, more Truman Showy. Yeah, because I find I'm in the perfect position where <laughs> there's like a lot of challenges for me, but I'm still in a very blessed position. Mm-hmm. So it's this perfect, like, I could go up, I could go down, I still have to work really hard for goals, but you know what I mean? But you're always going to be okay. You're always laying on your feet. I'm always in video game mode where anything's in play. Yes. So that makes everything somewhat challenging mm-hmm. and interesting for me. It's not too easy. It's not too hard. I could fall and go down. Yeah. Well, that's it for me. What is your idea of the most perfect romantic gift? And by the way, I remembered the worst gift I ever gave you. What was it? I got you this book. And it was where we were going to write down oh my God. memorable things in our life. And I thought it was going to be, I didn't know you super well. And I thought you would think it was good that every night we would write down the things. Because yeah. you liked Apple and Onion playing that game. Mm-hmm. And I thought you'd like to write down these moments so we could look back at them <laughs> in like 30 years from now or 50 years and be like, oh, on January 8th, uh, 2016, we played NBA Jam together and did this. I was super nervous to give it to you, much in the same way you were nervous to give me the ornament Christ- of Christmas us. Christmas ornaments, yeah. you thought it was too cheesy. I knew this was really cheesy, but I'm like, cheesy can be good. Women like these romantic gestures. It's a book of memories, essentially. Mm. And then it just became work every night. And then we started just phoning it in. We would just write down... <laughs> Because it asks you all these questions about your day, but it was kind of annoying to do it every day. Because it, it was, it required more thought than you'd think. And here's the one thing too that I, I was getting caught up in. If I was like, you know, we've established that I'm passive aggressive. So if I was like angry at you for something, I'd somehow work it into the book. 
And then maybe it felt good at the time, but it was a two-year plan. So we actually stuck with it for one year. But then when we started writing in the second year, and then you'd see what happened on the date from the year before, I'd read how I was like passively, aggressively, like angry with you or something. And then I'd like get all annoyed again. Yeah, it was bad. And like, <laughs> it wasn't that passive. It was pretty aggressive. A lot of stuff you'd write. <laughs> yeah, like Shane needs to work on this or whatever. Uh, but yeah, so that was the worst gift I ever got you. But what would be the most romantic gift you could get? Well, I I mean, the ro- most romantic gift that you've ever gotten me, you've gotten me. I'm not asking that. I'm no, here. I know. But it's the, romant- the most romantic gift I could get is being taken away somewhere and pampered in a sense. So like for my first birthday when it was you and I, like dating, uh, I think that was the most romantic gift moment. Because you're like, hey, Alex, I'm taking you to this beautiful hotel in Prince Edward County. Uh, and like we got massages. We drank champagne a lot over the weekend. We, we got were engaged. Great. We got engaged. But uh, it shows how romantic the gift was. So you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it was just so beautiful because I hadn't ever really, nobody had ever done something like that for me. And it was just, it was so fun. And just the way you kind of went about it, everything was, everything was awesome. It was good. So I'd huh. say being taken somewhere and treated like royalty or something. You know what I mean? I agree. No one had ever taken me away t- until recently. Mm-hmm. Our trip to Pillar and Post. We just went there. Someone, you, The person was you. <laughs> and we had a great time. We met Trump supporters. Everything, <laughs> everything, you know, they're just attracted to us. And we just had fun. No, I think that's the best thing that you could do for somebody. Is like go away in their honor and treat them like gold. I agree, but hey, <laughs> this episode was pretty golden if you ask me. If you ask me too, babe. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. If you could give us five-star review, yeah, and you haven't been, so if you're listening and you could, but you're not, I'd feel pretty guilty right now. Yeah, me too. Get on it, guys. I, I'm sick with COVID vaccine here. Make my day. Thanks so much for listening to Date, Date Night. Night.